it's a fascinating journey. And for anyone who's out there wondering, like, is there more than just this work, family, die type life, which doesn't have to be half bad, by the way, but is there more than that? Yes, absolutely. The answer is yes. Welcome to the New Wave Entrepreneur, where we dive headfirst into Web 3.0, personal sovereignty, spirituality, and psychology. These conversations are unfiltered access to brilliant minds and actionable advice that will prepare you for the rapidly changing world. So jump in. The water is warm and the tide is rising. Ah, my friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Wave Podcast. Daniel DiPiazza checking in with you here. So happy to have you. And today we welcome my friend Nick Neve to the show, who is an incredible e-commerce entrepreneur and a really deep guy. I call him my brother from another mother. And we, you know, recently had a lunch in Austin, Texas, sat down and just we dove into so many interesting concepts around life and spirituality and just the evolution of your journey as someone who's an entrepreneur on your own doing it all ups and downs. And I thought, man, I got to bring this guy on the show. He has so much uh, wisdom to share in his his journey as well. And I know you're going to enjoy this episode. And if you do love these episodes, make sure you are subscribing and liking on whatever platform you like listening to the show on, but the Spotify, iTunes, leave a review, leave a comment. It always helps us. And of course, make sure you're checking out everything that we're working on, including this new project I just dropped called Power Packs. Power Packs Volume 1 just dropped. And this is my first uh, my first offering in a series, a five-volume series of audio programs designed to get you uh, and your mind in shape. And this first one is all about business and money and success and how you can ask yourself the right questions to mentor yourself through the journey rather than try to rely on outside sources. And this is a great audio series to help you reflect on what's going right, what needs improvement, and what you're looking forward to in your business and in your life. You can check it out at newwaveentrepreneur.com forward slash power packs. You can just go to newwaveentrepreneur.com and click on the button to check out power packs where we just released that. I think you're really going to love it. So check it out there. And of course, you can check out on the website as well, uh, the new upcoming dates for our new wave dinner experience, which I finally settled on the next dates because I want to get enough space between everything we're doing. We want to make sure everything has enough time to breathe. I got to jump around and host things and make sure everyone is happy. So we want to have enough space between events. The next one's going to be July 16th in Austin, which is a Saturday. Also want to arrange it on a day where people can fly in if they wanted to because we knew people flew in for the last one in LA. So make sure that if you have an opportunity to come see us and hang with us in Austin, you do that. We're going to do about 10 to 12 spots for this dinner. And we keep them, you know, we keep them very tight on purpose. We want the right people to come we want them to be, uh, we want all of them to be really special and have great memorable experiences. So come check it out. Go to newwaveentrepreneur.com to get all the details. Or basically, you can just apply uh, for for a spot at the dinner and I'll review your application. And uh, if, if, it's a, if it's a good fit, we'll submit, we'll, we'll extend you an application and, uh, and we'll see you at the dinner. So you can check it out at newwaveentrepreneur.com. More information on the New Wave Dinner Experience. So that's all we got. Let's jump into today's episode with Nick. Hey, Nick. Daniel. How's it going? Fantastic. Uh, Thank you for having me on. I'm really happy to have you. And, you know, we already have a great uh, a great kind of camaraderie and chemistry. We just recently saw each other in Austin, which is where you're living now. Yeah. I've, I've been here about, uh, I would say, a year and a half now and settled in nicely. Love the area. 
And, you know, we're just starting to build a home base here. So it's, it's, it's exciting. I'm, I'm coming from Los Angeles. So it's, I'm one of those migrators, a Californian Same. to Austin, Texas. Same. It happened a lot uh, in, in 2020 and it will still continue to happen. I, man, I don't even want to go back to that. Even the last podcast I was on, we were bitching about California. I can't keep doing it because people who don't live there are just like, stop talking about how bad California is. No one cares. <laughs> it's a uh, tough cookie, man. <laughs> it's a tough cookie. What I thought was really interesting about your story is, um, well, one, first of all, just on the outside, you run an e-commerce company. Yeah. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and we can go back. So basically what I do is I curate and sell different snack box variations, primarily on Amazon, but we do sell on Shopify and Etsy. And the snack arrangements at the moment are catered to people that enjoy different diet plans. Like, for example, a vegan, plant-based, gluten-free, keto. And uh, most recently, last month, I launched a allergy-friendly box, which is free from... Allergy-friendly? No dog hair? Huh? No, no dog hair in your box? No dog hair. Nothing. Damn. Nope. It's, it's dusted to perfection <laughs> and ready for arrival. Yeah. So basically, the goal of the company is to put the cleanest ingredients ever found into a snack box, all high quality snacks, energizing, support a healthy, active lifestyle, and it goes right to your door. So if you're, if you're like me and you've explored a bunch of different diet plans, cause you're trying to figure out what's, what's optimal for the body, right? And you decide you want to try one of these diet plans. The first question is, what can I eat? What can't I eat? And what this box does is it solves that for you because it takes basically the five years of experience that, that I went through exploring all these different kinds of snacks and finding really the best versions of snacks for each diet plan so that people can really enjoy the best products within their limits and still actually enjoy. I mean, people that are on keto, right? You're doing low carb, low sugar. It's hard to find sweets. That's true. What do you do for it dessert? And then when you eat dessert, it tastes Dark like- chocolate every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, all day, I mean, baby. Sugar-free chocolate. But, yeah. you know, yeah. when you think of a dessert, you think of something that's satisfying, a cream puff, something that's just decadent. But when you're on keto and you try a cookie, it tastes that's like nothing. Play-Doh. That, that's one thing that... Um, so I've also tried a, a many different diet types, and I always think I stay towards balance. Now I've tried... I've never gone completely vegan, um, which you have. I found that, like, for me, balance is is best. Uh, but I eat a lot less meat than I used to because I just don't think it's necessary to eat so much meat. Sure. One thing I've realized is that there are certain foods that have not been mastered by the non-traditional means. Vegan cheese is one of them. Uh, what else? Vegan, like, like I used to even uh, for a while like those Beyond Beef things. And now I'm like, I can't, when I actually look at what's in them, I don't think they're good for you. The, no, the oils are inflammatory, we, all that stuff. Yeah. We kind of talked a little bit about that and, being on the vegan diet for a couple of years previously, I had uh, these meats as a staple, but for some reason, my body, it, it wasn't working with my body. And I was trying to figure out why. It what tastes was. good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not bad. They did pretty good with the flavor palette. The, the texture is decent. Yeah. But the problem is, and what a lot of people don't understand about actually both of these meat companies, Beyond Meat and Impossible, is they're using GMOs. There's traces of GMOs in these meats, pesticides. I also believe- They're not meats. Uh, They're not even meats. 
No, they're not even mates. No, they're. But, but is it, is it, it's not. It's not mostly engineered. soy. It's, it's not soy. It's um. It's I like think one of I, I think they are, they do have soy and pea protein. Yeah. Meat, but they're not. I know that Impossible Meat has um, a. It's just something called heme that's found in plants, and that's actually what causes the meat to bleed and make it natural, like a real uh, meat burger. So I, I would say out of the two, Impossible is probably the better option, especially Impossible version two, which I believe is gluten-free. The first version had uh, wheat isolate in it, so it wasn't gluten-free. The second one is. So if you have to do fake meat, I would do Impossible over everything else. But actually, you can do without it. I'm reading this site right now, and it says there's soy and potatoes for the protein. There's heme, like you were talking about, which gives it the meaty flavor and the bloodiness. And then there's the texture from coconut oil, sunflower oil, and binders. And I think that's probably some of the worst parts of this is the sunflower oil and the, the binders, which they don't list. It's heavier on the processing side, which is also right. going to cause resistance for the body since it's processed. So that's another What thing. happened to you after eating all that? So I needed it. At the beginning of my vegan transition, I absolutely needed this meat as a staple. I was having Beyond Meat. I was having field roast sausage, which still to this day is very delicious sausage alternative for vegans. The reason why I needed it is because I needed something with sustenance. I was used to eating all this, this heavy-weighted food, and all of a sudden you switch to vegan. And even if you're eating heavier things like pastas, you're going to eat more. You're eating yeah. carbs. You're eating predominantly fruits and veggies. It goes quick. So you need, quick. what I noticed about myself is I was eating about almost double what I was eating on just the regular, I guess you could call it the American diet, meat, cheese, things. So I needed that meat at the beginning, but it, it wasn't agreeing with my system. And I still noticed that even though it was not meat, it was still taking about the same time meat does to process through the digestive tract, which is about two to three days. And so- Did, did you notice that it affected your poop or your stools at all? Yeah, I mean, there was like a lot of gas. A lot of gas, I'm me too. To get too graphic, really bloated. No, I mean, it's like, health information, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't quote me on this, but I think in California, it's pretty easy to consider yourself a registered nutritionist. I think yeah. you need to, <laughs> it's a very quick requirement. I'm not sure. Yeah, online is, courses for this. I'm pretty sure everyone is a nutritionist in California. You, you, uh, you for sure are. If you have an e-commerce company <laughs> with stacks, you for sure are one. I'm, I'm just working that picture. I've helped a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. So it was not optimal for me. It wasn't working. I, I was able to lose weight on the vegan diet. So if you're doing vegan as a way to cleanse your system for weight loss or just to kind of, if you're not ready to fast and you want to just try something a little bit lighter in terms of eating, you can try vegan. I, I do have to say to this day though, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself vegan anymore. I, I went on to explore other diet plans because I, I feel like if I'm going to talk about these things, I have to do them. I, sure. It's not enough to read about them. I need to actually put my own body through it. And then even after I'm done, I still can't claim to know the answer because I have respect that everybody's body's different. So I actually enjoy talking to other people and saying, well, how do you feel when you eat this? And, and I've been doing that for the last five years. And what I've noticed 
is that some people are completely fine with meat. Some people can eat anything. Some people yes. can't handle meat. It's in, yes. They can't even be in the same room it's a big difference. as meat because they're so sensitive to it. They can smell it. It's fascinating to me how the thing that broke it for me is I was a vegan hardcore. I was on Instagram and I don't know how I found this guy, but he was intriguing to me. I would follow him because he only ate steak. In fact, his main stable was steak and raw milk. And he was skinny. He had a six pack and he was doing an Instagram live and he was cutting into two ribeyes. And this guy's skinny. And somebody types in the chat, how do you go to the bathroom? And he looks over and he's like, I go just like you every single day. He's like, that whole fiber thing, you people think you need to eat vegetables and fiber. It's a myth. I eat steak and raw milk and my body processes it fine. The reason why your body can't process it is because you're not eating this way. Your body can get used to anything. And that, it it just kind of, I'm seeing this with my own eyes. um, I'm just dumbfounded by it. I'm like, this is... Crazy. It's blowing my paradigm up, man. Yeah, like I'm, sh- I'm shattering my own belief, but I have to consider this because if I didn't, I, what, what would I be? A fraud. You know, I, I have to be open to everything that's happening to me. And that's kind of how I live, you know, in short. I, I'm open to changing. I'm open to learning different things, exploring different, different ways of life. And that's pretty much encompassed my journey. And so you, at what point were you like, okay, it's one thing to experiment with your diet. It's another thing to say, I'm going to start an e-commerce brand devoted to trying to getting healthy, good tasting snacks to these specific type of customers. Like what was the transition there? You just decided you tested it out and it worked or you had a specific plan going in. So it, this, this company started as a subscription box company. Yep. And at the time it was only vegan. And so when did it start? It, technically it started in 2018. But we really started to blow up in 2020. And, and I can get into why that happened. But in 2018, it was just a subscription box company. And we were testing out different snack mixes to see what, what the market liked. And it wasn't big at all. In fact, the people that subscribed were really happy, but there weren't many of them. And so I was in my apartment brainstorming, thinking about how can we expand this thing? And I said, well... Doing this for a year has showed me some amazing products over the past year. What if I put the the favorites into a box and sold it online, on Amazon, on Shopify as a fixed box of the top trending vegan gluten-free snacks? The the absolute top trending snacks. My favorite, you know, Nick's closet. (laughs) What does Nick snack on at the end of a stressful day? What does he go for? Nick has 55 snacks in his closet? Wait, I thought you said favorites. They're all my favorites. Now I have about 55. Yeah. Love snacks. And, and that, that's how it was born. I was, it was just Nick's favorites in a box. If I like them, so, maybe someone else will. What's so funny and I laugh about is that you're, you made a whole business around snacks and people think that's funny. But we just had someone on the podcast named James Lindsay who, who built a brand called Wrap Snacks, which are basically different types of potato chips, all with unique flavor profiles all associated with a brand of hip hop celebrity. And they've sold, he told me they sold tens of millions of units Ooh. of this. Tens of millions. And he, yeah. now they've been around for, for 20 years. And um, I said, why'd you get in this? He's like, I just love snacks, man. I just love potato chips. <laughs> man. I yeah. had never been pulled to, to snacking that much. But he's like, when I was a kid, I loved snacking. And I'm like, wow, everyone has a different passion. <laughs> I like snacking too. But some people go for 20 years with a snacking business. It's a way different thing. Yeah. And, and you know, this might turn into that. This, this was all under the premise of, 
I want to make people's search for diet snacks easier because mine was so hard. It was so difficult to find the good stuff. And if I can provide that to somebody in a day by sending them a box and saying, oh, welcome to the vegan plan. Here are the best sellers. Then it's going to make, I mean, it's already hard enough to give up meat and cheese when you're used to eating that every day. What I mean, you want to have your food right here. And we live in a world right now that's constantly on the go. We're doing everything mobile. We're, we're doing- Food delivery has gotten huge. Absolutely. I got a box yeah. of food right over here from Territory that I'm going to open up. And I still buy stuff from the grocery store too, though, is the thing. I supplement my food with some pre-made stuff. And then I go get the other stuff, the fresher stuff at the grocery store. Yeah, because some of these new box services are providing things you can't get in a supermarket. They're damn good. It's just the the time, like, this is, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around what I feel like is a new wave in consumerism. Because uh, when I was a kid, there were no services like this. And the only other option would be hiring a private chef. And that was for something only rich people did. Yeah. And now I'm getting meals delivered to me. And I have to almost fight the feeling of like, this is wasteful or extravagant. And maybe it is, but also like with the time that I have in the day, the quality of ingredients I want to eat. And if really, if you look at the price, I know you have snacks, so it's not the same thing as a full meal, but you yeah. look at price per per meal is cheaper, much cheaper than going out and not that much more than a grocery store if you're thinking about that plus prep time. So it's kind of blowing my mind because it's changing my perception of what's a good use of my money. Yes, 100%. And you know, to somebody who's newer to ordering uh, meal services, it's going to seem extravagant. It's going to seem over the top. It might even seem entitled. But the thing is, you have to, like, from a business standpoint, right? You think about these companies. If they're going to come into this market and they're going to compete with restaurants and supermarkets, they have to make their prices. That's right. Competitive. They have competitive to. in that middle ground between shopping for it yourself and getting someone to fully make it for you. Yeah, because otherwise they're not in business. So they're saying we're gonna, you know, we're gonna package this up and deliver it to your door. It's a convenience, but it's the same price if you went to the supermarket. And a lot of them are doing that and they're able to do that. And that's what's so cool about this industry. So, you know, for for anyone who hasn't tried this, I would highly recommend there's a lot of good first time deals where you can get deals off your first ship box shipments. Try it out. Especially if you're busy, because cooking takes a long time. If you want to cook healthy gourmet meals for yourself, I mean, who doesn't want to put quality food into their body? It takes yeah. time. It, and it, may, it really genuinely is one of the biggest levers you can have to make yourself feel better and do better. 100%. Even if you just want to talk about performance of business, if you just want to talk about hustling, you're going to do better with better fuel. I want to talk about a few different things in this space. Because I actually really like the idea of the space. I like e-commerce. I like looking at market trends. When I look at uh, the like pre-made food industry, I see a couple different lanes. One, there's kind of like the snack and like add-on industry that you're in, right? Um, what are what's the price per box average for what you sell, and what are your margins like? Like, what's the business model look like? So the the boxes range anywhere from forty to fifty dollars depending on the platform that we're selling. And for new releases, I'll launch most of them around $40. And then we'll climb to the price that I want them at, which is around $43, $44. Those are for our larger box versions. We have smaller box versions that I call starter boxes for people who are just getting into it. They want to try it out or they want something that's travel friendly because we do have a smaller size. And those I sell for around $30. The... The margins are around 20%, 20 to 25%. 
And it's been challenging to have those margins in an industry where we're dealing with food shortages and Mm -hmm. out of stock Mm -hmm. issues and also drastic inflation. I just had, I was um, telling a friend of mine this morning that I had just this chocolate bar by Enjoy Life. I was buying them at 70 cents a unit just two weeks ago. And in a couple of days, it jumped to a dollar and 30 cents. Oh my gosh. Oh my uh, gosh. And there's no, there's no need for that. I mean, there is a supply chain shortage, <laughs> but there. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And it's, it's because of what's happening right now. And, and when you contact the companies, they say, Oh, well, we actually haven't increased our prices in a long time. And we were planning this anyway. I was like, you were well, also <laughs> the guise of it is that like, there's some, there's some correlation between Russia, Ukraine, oil, the supply chain. It's like, what does Russia have to do with this chocolate bar? Nothing, you know, nothing. Um, okay, so so that's what I was thinking. I was thinking twenty to thirty percent margins. That's rough, and I think it's the same with any. Like I was, I order from Butcher Box as well, and Butcher yeah, Box is like, it's really nice. It's uh, it, now they're now they're different from like something which is like territory foods, which so so I order Butcher Box, which is. Pre, uh, which is like frozen, but like high quality meats. Yes. Okay. Steak, chicken, fish. So I don't have to go to the store. Now their meats are pretty much the highest quality that I buy at the store, maybe a little bit better. And they're about the same prices as the store. And I don't know, like they, they, they I get a whole box of their meat and it cost me like 150 bucks for a month's worth of meat. And they sent me a letter the other day apologizing. They're like, we're sorry. We have to raise prices because of the, everything that's happening. But the only reason like, 10 bucks. And I was like, how are you guys still making any money? Because I know what things basically cost. I know their margins. They must be a funded company. They must have capital to be doing this with. Um, otherwise, I just can't imagine this industry. It, it, it's especially the consumer products brand, especially at the grocery market, the grocery store, the grocery store and the food industry is the, is the hardest hit industry right now. And the margins were already thin. Margins are already thin on food food service, restaurants, deliveries, margins are already thin on those. So I can just imagine getting squeezed. What's the, I know you don't have all the answers. We're just talking. What's the plan for navigating that? Yeah. So I've actually been doing it for the last year and a half because, you know, these companies have been experiencing problems. I've had, I've had companies go under that we can't no longer do business with. It's really sad. Like vendors that go in your boxes. Yes. Yes. And it's, it's just, you know, terrible to see that happen to people, especially where you be like, bye. Do you know anyone else who has good chocolate bars like you used to have? Because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we it's, still need to fill our box or we're going to go under. <laughs> I mean, there there is a part of this industry now that is it's a dog eat dog industry. Yeah, so man. the way the way to navigate through that is you have to go on a full on expedition of cutting costs in every area that you can. Not you just really have food, to everything, but then you want to try to do it minimizing the damage as much as possible. At least that's my belief. For the, experience, for the customer experience. People. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a businessman, but I also, I try to do the best thing that I can when I'm making a decision for everyone. So what I've been doing is price negotiations with people. If I can working with people, cutting costs with uh, labor and cardboard box materials so that we can take that budget and then apply it to the inflated food costs. And I went, so one of the snacks in our best-selling box is shelled pistachios. And the idea behind this was 
who wants to have pistachios that you have to crack open? It's this giant mess when you're on the couch watching something. What if you could just open a bag and just have the pistachios ready for you? And so that was one of the reasons why I decided to put that snack in the box. But it's pricey because you have to pay for that convenience. What I noticed over the last year and a half is nobody commented on that. Nobody commented on the pistachios being their favorite snack or anything. In fact, some people told me, actually, I like the ones with the shells better because they taste better. I said, really? I mean, you know, those are 70% cheaper. I understand. So that was one of the things I did. I said, you know what? Maybe the world isn't ready for shelled pistachios. So I'm going to pull them (laughs) and put, I'm going to put what people want in the box, give them what they want. And so I, I was able to take that. So everybody's still happy. They get their pistachios. Everything's great. But now I can, I have budget that I can put towards another snack that I love that's just gone up 30% because that's becoming the norm now. 20 to 30% increases overnight on things. Now, here's my question. You know, we always do this thing where we go up and down then prices stabilize, but a lot of times they normalize higher. So it's like, you know, we're seeing gas go crazy. And, you know, you're in Austin. It's like a little bit better than the country, but it's still bad for Austin. And it's like, Okay, when when things do start to normalize again, is it going to normalize at four dollars? Because that ain't normal, man. But they just use that fluctuation and then go out. Oh, it's a little bit higher. Up, it's a little bit higher. Increase everything oh. else. They increase they everything increase else. Taxes. They're they're talking about increasing the taxes on your residential real estate here in Austin because the prices have gone up so much, and people are fighting about that now. Real estate taxes in Texas were already relatively high in comparison to the rest of the country. I thought. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they are, but the value's gone up so much that right. now they're saying we're not even. You know, we're we're st- we're now way off again. So we need to. I think that's their that's everyone's solution is oh this went up, so we're just going to increase instead of cutting costs. Right. We raise the ceiling. We're going to raise <laughs> everything. But that's the entire logic of the government. Instead of getting debt under control, we're going to create more money. And I I mean, if you actually just take all the leaves off the table and look at the history. That's exactly what's happened. The debts have gone up. And I don't know, like I I ask myself that a lot. I say, is the world in a better place because of all that we're doing to save certain things? And I don't know if it is, you know, I don't know. Is it, is it better living now than five years ago or six years ago? I'm not sure about that. You know, it's, it's interesting or does it, does it equate for the amount of money and taxation and just bulldozing that it's caused our society? Most of the efforts of humankind across all field, all across all fields, not that it's wasted effort, but we are often poor stewards of our energy. So all the energy, think about all the energy of money, uh, energy equates to money in our system. So think of all the physical human hours that went in to pay for the taxes that then got pissed away. In a way, that's kind of like pissing away human energy. It's basically like pissing away human energy. And imagine if the energy, whether it was in the form of money or some other productive activity, could be redirected into the actual betterment of society. That's kind of a philosophical question because it could never really happen in that way. But imagine if we were able to, in unison, contribute to something that really benefited us rather than, I mean, look, we know where the tax money is going. A little bit's going to what we need and most of it's not. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I, I think that really the only way to, to change that and turn it around is whoever's in the driver's seat of running things, whether it's for the world, a country, that person's mind needs to transcend the belief that more money and more power is better for me. 
because if it, if they can move past that and say, you know what, I have all that, and it doesn't matter. It actually doesn't matter once you've had all that, and I realize that. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to do what's best for the people and not myself in disguise. But I think it requires an evolution of the mind in some way. And that, I mean, we're getting a little bit spiritual now, but that requires the person to want to explore that question and that journey. And then once you have that aligned, then you can start doing it. But I don't think that is a choice. That's a choice that somebody needs to make. If you're a billionaire, it doesn't mean you're going to make that choice. Just be, again, just because you have the most money and the most power doesn't mean that you're going to evolve in that way. It's a choice. You can be poor. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no correlation between money and talent necessarily, money and uh, morality, um, money and ethics, money and being an interesting person. Uh, sometimes they intersect. Sometimes they don't. I, going tying this back in and going back to uh, just the food industry. Um, so what do you think is going to be the trajectory of a, of a snack food brand? Cause basically you have a, right now you are acting as a, a distributor, a curated distributor to a certain set of uh, people. Is the, is the um, trajectory of a brand like yours, is it to eventually start making your own snacks or is it just to create more distribution through like funding and partnerships and things like that? I think it's actually a little bit of both. So I, I've thought about manufacturing my own variations of snacks and I even have some ideas. And I think that that's probably definitely going to be within the future of this company. I'm very interested in it and I have some ideas that I think are really going to dazzle people because they haven't, they haven't shown themselves in society yet. So I think that that's going to be great. But also we are absolutely going to look to heavy expansion in the future just because there's so much growth potential for a business like this and arguably almost any e-commerce business it requires a lot of brainstorming it, you can you sit down with the company that you have and you say what else can i do and if you just brainstorm on that there's so much i mean i'm going to we're going to work on negotiating deals to potentially get the box into hotel rooms so that people yeah, we're talking have, about that. that that's be huge yes i mean even if it's just in suites in hotel rooms as a welcome gift thanking the customer for for renting yep. this room we're going to look into getting into uh yoga studios athletic studios brick and mortars that care about health and wellness that haven't seen this before because corporate gifting yes oh we've done we did a lot of bulk orders in 2020 and 2021 yep. for virtual events. We did, um, we actually partnered up with Twitter for a global event uh, in 2021, which was awesome. And we did some work with Live Strong as well in New York City. Nice. Which was nice. fun because everybody's doing these virtual events and they, they want to make it interesting for people. And we got some good feedback on that. So absolutely, we're going to expand with corporate gifting. There's going to be more box designs and actually we're going to be evolving into I don't know how much info I want to give about this but we're going to go beyond food because not beyond meat though not beyond meat no just just <laughs> beyond quality. food beyond yeah. food's even scarier than beyond meat <laughs> <laughs> that's what they should call it beyond better. food <laughs> yeah. beyond nature <laughs> beyond god food products Everything, everyone's doing the beyond now you know yeah. <laughs> bed bath um, and beyond meat <laughs> 
We are, we're going to go beyond. So because this is a food product, we're limited to only being able to sell in the U.S. right now on Amazon. We can't right. sell in Canada, Mexico, and Europe because it's food. But if we came out something that was not food, now we've expanded our markets to be able to sell in other countries. And that's what, another what do I, way. What do I type in to search for you on Amazon? Is it just your brand name or is it actually coming up under search terms? You can type in vegan snack box. You can type in elevate snack box. Vegan snack box will pull up a bunch of boxes that we have on Amazon. Anything, any keyword to do with vegan, you'll see it on there. I just typed in vegan snacks. Let me type, type in vegan snack box. Vegan snacks, it should come up also. I might have scrolled down a little bit, but vegan snack I want box. I to show my screen. Yeah. So that's us on the left, the bottom left. Yeah, right here. Elevate. There you are. So that's our, that's our best selling vegan gluten free box. This is the box that's been the favorite. It's also the original design. It's gone through a couple of Wow, changes. a lot comes in here. Yeah. I mean, there's you get a lot. There's 22 sample sized snacks. And the, the idea is to give somebody a taste of Damn. the best of what this food plan offers and the best brands too. I mean, these are all healthy, clean brands. Notice you're not going to see Mott's or Welch's or, you know, anything directly Nestle. Yeah. Down there in the middle, those are our two uh, new releases that we just came out with. So there's a vegan one with vegan jerky. And it's, it's a healthy mix of veggie chips, fruit snacks, veggie snacks, nuts, chocolate, muffins. There's breakfast options. I mean, it really is packed into a portable box okay. that people can, and, and it's the packaging this design. Nice. If you go to the third photo, you'll, that's our, yeah, right there. That's our package. So the box is already gift box ready. I mean, you don't need to wrap it. You can, the packaging is beautiful as is. You can just send it. And we've gotten a lot of compliments on that. So I like this a lot. I'm gonna so let's talk about just branding stuff. One, uh, I like the Amazon page. And just from having an Amazon store, I know that it's not necessarily easy to make an Amazon page look awesome and perform well. Yeah. Um, you have, I mean, it's it's ranked really well. To have an Amazon, like an Amazon brand store takes a good amount of work. And I uh admittedly didn't even know, I guess I just didn't think about it, that you can order a subscription product from Amazon. I, I, I knew that, but I almost forgot that you can yeah. order recurring. Yeah. So, and, and this goes for any niche that you want to search in, just type in subscription box and you'd be surprised. I know for a fact that there's food boxes on there because ours is on there, but oh yeah, there's other subscription boxes too. Now, you're, so, so what is your split from customers in terms of like Amazon versus off-site or, or on your actual website. It's like 80-20 Amazon right now. Yeah, actually, you got it right on the money. That's 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 scary. It is scary. And I'm, I'm glad that you recognize that because we're, we're actually working on making it less scary. Because what happens if Amazon goes down overnight? Amazon won't go down, but they can easily do anything they want to your, to your ranking, your reviews. Your, they, they don't have to do care anything, about you. At any time, and they, they do. Anytime. So we have... They could just say... Amazon's only one selling snacks. Bye, bitch. And you can be like, I have a million dollar business. I'm like, Psh, get off my back. <laughs> See, that's, they can do it. And um, in 2020, they took the listing down for a week because they, the algorithm misclassified it as a medical product. Because this was one of them face masks. And I had to call oh, yes. somebody up. Yes. And I spoke to one of those lovely customer service reps. And I said, listen, 
I just want to tell you that this is not a medical product. And she said, I know, but it's being classified that way. And I said, can you see the, the box? She said, yeah. And I said, what's it look like? Well, the box is snacks. It's not a medical product. Can we, can we get it reactivated? No. So, <laughs> you know, you just, I think that's part of the thing about being an entrepreneur is yeah. you have to expect problems. I mean, what's life without problems? You got to think about it. Like we, we want a life free of problems, but it's really the problems that make us. It's the problems that It's the tension. Yeah. It's the tension that creates the intrigue in life. But you know, it's like, also, it's like with, with, with Amazon, what you once would think is your savior can also be your the death knell. It's like Amazon is God when you have nothing then you start making money. You're like, fuck, I fucking love Amazon. And then it's like, man, they're taking a lot of my money and they're taking all my customers after that. You know, so it's like and they make you it very use hard them for you to convert their customers. Very, oh, to oh yeah. And, and they've systematically done that over a period of decades, at least a decade with Amazon's uh, sellers to not be able to let you get those email addresses, not be able to contact your customers directly, be really strict with what you can do with them. It's fucked up, man. That's right. You know, we, we, we can't contact the customer. And ironically, the reason why I got into e-commerce and this business was to free myself from having to rely on somebody else to pay me for my work. But technically, I am still relying on a company to pay me right now. Preach to the choir, bro. I, I was just talking about this. It's like, if you're an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur as a whole, that I think more, more is like a philosophical stance. I feel like small business owners is really what we should be saying. Sure. An entrepreneur is like, I feel like I have my own ideas of things I want to start and I'm entrepreneurial. Like that's the feeling. But the reality is small business owner, margins, <laughs> revenue, you know, and how many small businesses now depend on like 10 large businesses right now. It's like when Facebook ads went through all that crazy shit with Apple, that completely leveled my e-commerce business. I mean, we we were doing $100,000 over that plus a month and it dropped us within within five months. Now, obviously there are other changes in it. 2020 to 2022, is a lot going on. You can say whatever you want, but we went, but it was right after they, the um, Apple changed the way that they were allowing iPhone data to be read by advertisers like Facebook. We went from a hundred grand uh, to seven grand overnight just because we couldn't find our customers. They were obviously still there on the platform, but the ad, the, but the ad gun, the machine wasn't working. And it, it crushed me, <laughs> crushed me. It would crush anybody. I mean, that's just crushed me. massive. You know, you, you can it's never massive. see something like that coming. So that's why I always caution my friends and my clients and my partners. I'm like, if you're doing great on a platform, awesome, but please be careful, <laughs> you know? And have always savings. Build, you know, I mean, yeah. it's- ha um, Yeah, have savings and all that. I would have, the business probably would have gone under in 2021 if I didn't have savings because yep. the, there were the shipping wars with China that came and oh my gosh. they, they three X'd my, my box price to in your whole time, your wait time, I'm sure to get in your stuff was like forever. I had, was forced to pay to airship, uh, 15,000 boxes into the United States for December for Christmas in order to get those holiday sales, but I had to pay three times what I would normally pay for them. Did, so did I, you actually lose money on those sales? No, actually, it's just the margin was just a lot lower. So I, we, I still didn't lose money, but I said, okay, fine, no problem, I'll charge it. And China said, no, we need a bank wire. And I said, okay, so I need those funds now. And that was when I drained my savings, saved the company, and then for the first time in my life realized all those years someone said have a savings account, I never really needed it until now, but it's saved. Yeah. 
And so please like have a savings account, have something for emergencies because as an entrepreneur, it always happens. I mean, well, look, listen, I know they're just saying whatever they're saying because it's China and they can do whatever they want. They can do it. It's kind of fucked up. They wouldn't let you. you It's kind of fucked up. They wouldn't have let you. It's kind of fucked up. They wouldn't let you charge it because there's also safety for you too of getting your your goods. Fees on those charges, and they don't they don't want to do that. Right. You're gonna you're gonna wire over that money, and then you're just like, hope I get my stuff. You know. If I didn't, if it was a supplier that hadn't been working for me for five years, I I was still kind of scared, honestly, because I said, who knows if this is even gonna get here. So it's we're making our DVDs. Our manufacturer said we ran out of plastic. I'm like, what do you mean we ran out of plastic? Well, landfills get some. <laughs> yeah, landfills. Like, and that was the first time I had to think about like what, how certain products are made. I'm like, oh, if there's a if there's a DVD, there are plastic pellets that are melted down to create that round surface, and that then has to be in there. They don't have any of those pellets. I'm like, you don't have PVC pellets right now. I don't understand. I thought those just came from the, the ground. I just, what do you mean you don't have <laughs> for, for China to melt down their goo into pellets to send us the pellets? And so because of that. We, we were like six weeks behind on our, on our shipping and people were like emailing us, where's my fucking fitness DVD? You're just like, oh, China's out of plastic. I don't know. But the thing is, is they don't understand that. That doesn't, it doesn't Yeah, I didn't understand it. You know? That's why I'm more compassionate to businesses now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's tough, but you know, it's, if you, if you don't stop tackling whatever issue is in front of you, you will eventually solve it even if it seems unsolvable. I think that's something that I've learned over the past couple of years of just being in situations. A few of them I thought was the end. And it was, it wasn't me being over dramatic. It was really, it was, we was that close, but never, never give up. And I, I think um, one of the quotes by Jeff Bezos, like I like this quote, that's what I'm going to say is he says, be, be flexible on the path, but firm on the destination. Yeah, so, I, I think that's a very smart way of looking. That's a yeah. very smart way of looking at things because most people are so fixed on I have to make a specific path, you know, a specific set of moves, and if I don't do it that way, one, I messed up, and two, I won't hit my destination. Both are wrong, you know. Um, this is my 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 every show. I have to have one mention of this. Same thing in jujitsu. Sometimes you have a path of a move you're trying to do, and you just can't do that move. The person's like, no, 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 and you can keep trying to insist. But then it just becomes more clear that that's not going to work. But oftentimes there's a back door the other way where there's no resistance that way. And you just go that way. And you can still get to the destination, which is the, the choke in the fight or the, the submission. Same thing in business. It's like, yeah. you know, you go in one direction. 2020 is a huge roadblock for a lot of people. And you go, and you go around. But then you have to have the, the wherewithal to be able to feel the negative emotion of not doing well. Because any business person, who even the successful ones, there's ups and downs in business. It's not all up. You know, it's never all a straight trajectory up. So you have to be able to be at the bottom here and be like, I'm feeling like shit right now, but I've been down before and also I have a plan. 100%. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think the, the difference with an entrepreneur is, you know, if, if you have a job and you're, you're working for somebody else, there's plenty of those jobs that pay really well. Yep. So what, what's going to happen when you do that is you're going to be working for somebody else and you're probably going to be good at your job and you might even get a good salary, but you're going to be building that person's business up for them yep. in a way. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur, 
you're going to be building your own business up. You're still going to have the same problems. If, if you work for somebody, you're going to yes. have problems. It might be, I have a deadline. I need to turn this in by this day. Always deadlines. Fire, right. But if you're a business yeah. owner, you're also going to have problems where I need to launch this now. I need to make X amount to pay this off. So problems right. don't go away. It's just right. a preference of what lifestyle you want to live. And so many years I've had, I'm one yes. of those people that's had like 50 different jobs. And each job I had, I prided myself in doing the best job that I could for some best yeah. because it's, it's just a symbol of integrity. And so I try to live by that. And I noticed that I was building up people's businesses and I was making them better when I would work for them. And it hit me one day and I said, I want to do that for myself. So now that I'm doing this for my own business, yes, I still have these problems. I still have the stress. I still have the deadlines. But at the end of the day, I think the difference is you know what? I'm busting my ass for myself. I'm busting my ass for something that I believe in. I'm actually growing something that I believe in and I'm going to benefit from that. Yeah. Yeah. And as an employee, you might also benefit by getting a raise, but more often than not, that raise is not going to equate for the value that you added. So that was what you, you it, can't. Well, it can't. No. Mathematically. No, it's just, you're never going to, I, I feel like very few people get paid what they actually deserve. Even, even when oh. you work for a company that has unlimited funds like Amazon, everybody says, you know, Jeff doesn't pay his workers enough. He could, but he doesn't. Yeah, of course he could. He could probably double everyone's salary and not feel it, really. He wouldn't feel it. No, I mean, no. It's, but, you know, then arguably you ask yourself the question, is the job worth that much money? And if the answer is no, then if somebody wants to increase, they have to change the job, change, you know, change the dream, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I think one, the reason why you started in business the same way, the same reason I started in business, I think the downsides or the negatives of entrepreneurship should be um, talked about more often though, because people just jump into it and then they expect a certain outcome or they expect to feel a certain way. And uh, starting a business doesn't automatically improve the quality of your life. Usually it actually decreases the quality of your life for the beginning. And I've actually come to, I mean, even my book, like the, the subtitle of the book is, Ditch your average job. And it says average job. There are some jobs where you really might feel like I am an integral part of this. I like being part of this company and I couldn't get this experience anywhere else. One experience I might say is like, okay, Tesla. If you want to work for Tesla, there's only one Tesla and you're not going to make another car company yourself. So you have to decide. I don't think, I think I used to think of entrepreneurship as like a, like a hill to die on. Like it's, it's objectively better than working for someone else. Now I don't feel like that. Now I just feel like you need to make an honest assessment. And some people shouldn't be, shouldn't work for themselves. No, it's, it's a, I've really grown to agree with that because it is really personal preference as there, there's, there's articles online that you can read that say why you never want to be a CEO. Yeah. Don't. And if you want to know what it's like, try being a CEO. Like it's, it is the, the information that I have in my head is, it's just a massive amount. So that's numbers, deadlines, dates, right? Where if I'm, so I know a guy, he's, he's a friend of mine and he's been bagging uh, groceries at the supermarket for over 50 years. And if you, if you took this man in a room and you said, sir, are you happy with your life? He would say, I love my life. And he really does. And that is phenomenal because what that man did was he found out what he needed to do to be happy. He wanted to live a simple life. He wanted to have a family. He makes money and lives a good quality of life for himself. And he's satisfied that he's been doing this for 50 years. 
So there's people that own their own businesses that are millionaires that they hate it. They hate it and they, they hate it. And the whole goal was to like it. <laughs> exactly. So that's it, it really is about what you want. It, it's it's all goes back to perception. Well, there's also a, another thing to be another point to be made, and we're kind of like bringing it home and talking about lessons. There's nothing a, a business or a job, uh, a certain amount of money. There's nothing outside of you that can make you happy with your life. And you can be happy in a shoebox or in a mansion, uh, and you can experience joy or sorrow in either. You can experience worry in either. And a lot of times, there's also the downside of having more success, which is worry that you're going to lose it, worry that you don't deserve it, or worry that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's part of it. And um, I think that, yeah, pe- people, should, people shouldn't assume that the business is going to make them uh, happier. And I also think that, yeah, people can... I think there's a, there's actually, there's actually some sort of like a, there's like a mental stillness to having a job that isn't that complicated. Like when I worked at UPS, there was, I liked, I liked it. I mean, I don't want to lift boxes forever, but I I liked it because it was very simple and my brain could focus on like, I really actually liked the idea of like having a package has to go in the spot and there's no one bothering me. And I'm just like doing the task. And I kind of liked the way my body felt physically doing it. Cause you know, now I spend a lot of time on the computer and up in this upright position and cranked over like this. Even if I have a standing desk, I'm looking at this screen. So I'm almost like lost in this digital world. It's not really real, but in the, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, in the factory, when I'm like, I'm a teamster, there's a union and there's a trucks and there's a belt coming down. It's, it's more of like I'm living in earth. I'm really, I'm, I'm moving something around. And then this person gets in this truck and drive away with the work that I just did. So there was a, a, a sense of, um, almost a feeling of like completion to that and almost a joy in seeing like the whole truck organized. Whereas now the computer always looks the same. The screen's always the same and, and the, the work gets accomplished in the mind. But you can't always see it, you know. And then the last thing I'll say is uh, uh, Buddha said this. He said something to the effect of um, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. So your friend who's the 50-year-old, 50-year-plus, uh, you know, bagger is a sage. Chop wood, carry water. All yeah. that fucking shit doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And he's so – I've never seen the man get angry. He's calm. And, you know, that that's somebody who's figured it out. You don't need to make millions to figure it out. It's about it's about goals. Like money is nice. I'm not saying that it's not nice. If you want money, you can have it. You can have whatever you want. Like that's I've, I've done a lot of manifestation work and exploration, and I I can say that there's something to that. I I can't sure. say that I'm a master at how it works, but there is absolutely something worth uncovering in that category. I think one of the best things about um, creating things with your mind is not trying to force it, but just observe when it does happen. So when you have things happen in your life, think about the thought process that you had and everything that's created you that up to that moment. And you'll find that you're creating all the moments that you're experiencing. You're creating all the experiences through it's usually an initial thought. Even this conversation that we're having right now started as two people having a thought independent of each other, come together, create a relationship. And now this podcast is just the offshoot of that. But we created this. You know, and so, yeah, and are creating and, and and that really, that's something I've been, I've been reading this book Uh, for anyone who's listening. This is a great one. This is called the way of mastery. And this was channeled by this guy named Jeshua Ben Joseph, I believe who, uh, my dog just moaned, uh, who is, who's channeling Jesus. And so this is an entire book of him saying channeled messages of Jesus. But one of the things he says in here is just throughout your day. Always stop and remember that you're creating everything you're experiencing. And 
we've had a lot of conversations now. You told me about some of the weird coincidences that have happened in your life. Maybe we'll talk about that in a second podcast. Sure. Um, but I just want to acknowledge you that this company was nothing and you created it. And now it's in the world and it's making an imprint. So I just wanted to say, that's pretty awesome. Keep up the fucking great work. Thank you. Yeah, it's. I, I think that the most enjoyable part of it is the impact that that I make on the customers. I love seeing people's lives get changed and have that spark added to their day when they get one of these boxes. And I, I just talked to a guy the other day from Staten Island, New York. He called me up because he got a box and he didn't know who it was from, but it had a handwritten gift of it. <laughs> so I helped him track down who it was from. And he's like, there's so many snacks in here that are vegan that I never knew existed. He's like, this is amazing. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be buying these brands separately. He's like, I didn't even know this, this was out there. And he lives in Staten Island, New York. Imagine if you live in like the boonies in Indiana. Oh, yeah. You're getting oh, yeah. even less over there when you go to the supermarkets. Like there's... That's a great that's, point. That's one of the things that and we, I think we touched on that when we were talking the other day is when you live in L.A., I created this company in LA. That was the mecca. Yeah. I used to go into Air One yeah. and just go up and down the aisles yeah. and say, what came out last week? I want This to is know. the second podcast we've talked about Air One in a row, by the way. Oh, look at that. Free advertising. We've got to film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, what, what do you do? You go to the best supermarket, arguably, in the, in the country. Yeah. And you find the cleanest, newest stuff that people don't like. Raw chocolate squares. It's made with rose petals. Yeah. Divine. You know, you can't get those in Indiana. So, you know, you, you try them. That's so true. And then you pack them up in a box and you send them anywhere in the country. And that, those are the, those are the people that I think appreciate it the most are people who can't just go down the street and grab this from a supermarket or order it on online rather. Yeah. That's a really good point. Easy to take that for granted too. Like just having moved from California to Oregon now, uh, seeing the difference in just one state up, the difference in culture, especially LA is so, it, it's, if the whole country is going through a green revolution, LA is going to be going through it hundred percent more. You know, yes. they're, they're always uh, kind of like shaping that health culture, I feel like in the country. And a lot of that uh, equates to really good, um, like healthy snack foods. That's one thing I will say about LA. They're not great for, um, for like dinners in my opinion, but they have great snack foods, uh, cafes, coffees juices and um like just just finger foods things like that and you've kind of exported some of that that we take for granted like oh there are all these different options if i had a different diet because another thing in la too is just this culture <laughs> of like i have a special diet you know and i went to florida and i asked for almond milk they're like we don't have almond the closest thing we have is soy and i'm like we don't do soy milk here you know and they're like it's this, it's just it's that's their version of alternate milk but in uh california you might have hemp milk oat milk almond milk different types of almond milk soy milk, all different types of uh, regular milk. And so it's like that customer profile is actually much wider. And then you bring that to other areas of the country who maybe there's only a few people who think that they're like that in their community, but there's actually a lot. Maybe there's more in Indiana than you think. Mm -hmm. they're, yep. you know? they're starting to bring it in. I mean, we're, we're seeing it here in Austin too, which is really cool. It's I, I really think it's going to become the next LA in terms of newer. Oh, it's already happening, buddy. It's already it's happening. happening. It's happening fast. And Faster than I thought. And it could be done in as soon as five years, I think. Before, I thought it was going to take 15. Now, it's, there's just an astronomical number of people. And when people come, they bring their businesses and they bring their favorites yeah. with them. And that's cool, yeah. actually, because they're, they're kind of creating that 
that community here. We're seeing it. It's nice. Hey, this is Daniel. Thank you so much for listening to the New Wave Podcast. We're going to get you right back to the show. But I wanted to tell you about this new mixtape that I just dropped. That's right. I dropped a mixtape and it's called Power Packs. So I know you are listening to this podcast and many others because you want to improve your life. You want to build your business and you want to live well. And me too. And you know what I've discovered over the years? It's that even though I've learned from many mentors and teachers, the best mentor in my life has been, drumroll, myself. That's right. And, and I know it's the same for you. It just has to be because the truth is you can mentor yourself and you already have the answers to your own problems. What you need are the right questions to ask to spark your problem solving machine. You have a creative genius for solving problems, but you have to ask yourself the right questions and power packs will help you to do that. This is a five volume audio series designed to dramatically improve the quality of your life and business in just a single listen, but not because it contains any answers because it asks you the actual questions you need to know to get your brain pumping. And in these five volumes, we cover the first volume is all about success and, and business and money. The second one is generating mental and physical health. The third one is all about strengthening your most valuable relationships. The fourth one is about unlocking your hidden creative genius. And the fifth one is all about thinking and being strategic. And these volumes are all available for free. Now we've just released the first one. So if you want to learn about success with business and money, and you want to actually ask yourself the right questions to get you closer to successful outcomes there, then just go and download it. You can go to Spotify and get it, or you can go to newwaveentrepreneur.com where you've already probably spending a good amount of time and you can download it for free uh, right there. And you'll also get an outline of all the questions that I ask in that pack and my notes to help you move even faster through your business and your life goals. Now we're also gonna do a limited edition merch run and some other bonuses to celebrate the launch of the series. So make sure you check it out at newwaveentrepreneur.com. And of course you can stream it for free and download everything for free. Much love. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to the show. Download Power Packs now. Let's get back to the episode. What percentage of Austin's overall move, of the, of the overall percentage of people who've moved to Austin, do you think is solely because of Joe Rogan? Well, I think it's Joe Rogan and Elon Musk because they kind of mentioned yeah. it around the same time. But yeah. I mean, Rogan's got one of the most popular podcasts in the country, if not the most. He has the most oh, listeners. Yeah. Oh, he has the he he has the most listens in the country, which is probably in the world. Then he sways opinions. I mean, that's what he does. He really sways does. opinions. He's he's a force to be reckoned with, and when he speaks, people listen. But and he's not he trying. Comes. He's just being I, Joe Rogan. I think that's what it is, though, because they're just like you know, why do people listen to Joe Rogan? Because they like him. Because he's real. He's not giving any fluff. He's not giving any BS. Like it, when you tune into Rogan, you know what you're getting. You're getting Even, as close to the truth as you can, really. Right yeah, you're, 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 okay, because you, you compare it to politicians who are constantly lying and getting caught in it, and they're not even not even acknowledging their lies. You know, even if you look at Gavin Newsom in California, who is just—I mean, all this crazy stuff—and all, all these politicians. <laughs> you want to listen to lies? What I like of you know. Oh my God! Yeah, just literally just turn on the turn on the yeah. yeah for sure. You know, and so, so Joe, even when he has made mistakes, he'll get on there and he'll just be straight up with you. He'll he'll apologize. He'll say what he thought he did wrong. He'll say where he thought his point was valid and he'll move the fuck on, you know? And that, I think that acknowledgement piece is something that we're missing. Like even with Trump, a lot of people like Trump because they'd say he's, he's really upfront and brash and he tells it how it is. But what he was missing was the acknowledgement piece when he would fuck it up. 
And it's one thing to say whatever is on your mind, which is what people are looking for. But they also want, obviously, honesty, which Trump was not honest. He might have been honest about some things, not honest about other things. Right. But they, we people want honesty and we, we want people who are self-reflective enough to step back when they've made a mistake and correct, self-correct, or at least correct when people say, hey, asshole, you fucked this up. And the politicians now have no regard for when they purposely or unintentionally mess things up. They can't be wrong. They are They wrong. can't be wrong. No, it's yeah, they, wrong, they'll change the in. policy. Yeah. They'll change the policy before they'll say they're wrong. And I, just talking to you, I just realized that I've never heard really a politician say, wrong, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, it doesn't. No, it doesn't happen. I've literally never heard that. No, nope. doesn't matter what, what side you're talking about. It doesn't matter what side. No, and, and just because you're blunt, like we can use Trump as an example because we just mentioned that. Just because you're blunt doesn't mean you're honest. No, no. And also, I also don't like when people are like, I just say what's on my mind, I tell how it is. But there's also like context and nuance and appropriate timing for things, especially in a position of power. And there's a lot you of know, people being blunt, about that. You know? Yeah, so... so being blunt, people I think often say is, oh, that's me showing my honest and integrous character. But I think sometimes you're stupid if you're so blunt that you don't notice. Like, like It's like, uh, read the room. You know, it's like, read the room. Like, e- even if you don't, like, w- even if you don't necessarily, you would normally be blunt about something. Learning how to float a message to a certain <laughs> type of people is a valuable skill. But at the very least, learn to apologize. I don't think I've ever seen anybody in public really say sorry, you know? And that... It's such a big, such a big thing, you know? And I think that Rogan does it because I at least get the air from him that he's not afraid of failure. No, he's not afraid of failure. He's not afraid of failure. And, and that would be like, what, why would somebody lie? Why would somebody not say I was wrong? Because it, it puts Musk is similar. vulnerability. Musk is similar. He's not afraid to go right. out on that hill. Yep. He, he, goes out. Yeah, he obviously. Yeah, he wants Tesla to succeed, but he's a willing to let it fail going all the way. Yeah. It is not going to fail now. Complete wild card. I mean, even yeah. if you think you understand him, you don't because he can do anything. He has done a lot of uncertain things. But he also takes accountability, I feel, for yeah. the most part. And and he has his own, um, like we were talking about this the other day. I don't know if we talked about it in Austin, but like Elon has its own thing of like, well, Tesla does have to use child African mind and like all these different things to get the supplies so there's that other layer of like, how do we, at what point do we justify the use of like things we know aren't good for the society and the community to have something that supposedly is better for us? So there's a weird, like, and I don't know how to justify it because I, I'm driving around in it. So I'm like, is this thing I'm driving directly contributing to slavery in another country or like child endangerment in another country? Like when you really think about that, it fucks you up. I've heard about that <laughs> you know? too. And I've, I've seen a lot of things on that and I, I, I don't really know. I, I haven't, I can't say that I've looked into it enough to actually know what's happening. But one thing that I do know is that people are always going to market their companies and try to shun other companies. So if it's, if it's electric versus, you know, petrol, oil, gas, they're going to put down the other right. one to say, and, and they're, themselves. they're not the only company doing that. Anybody that needs batteries is mining in those mines. Yeah, or anyone invested in oil is going to be putting down EV. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, it's so. How deep do you go with the with the, with the ethicality, ethical investment? This is like what we go back to. As long as people believe that money and power is the end game, it's really going to be difficult for our society as a whole to evolve. 
into the next stage of living, which I'm not going to claim to to know what that is. But from my understanding <laughs> of it, it's a lot more relaxed than the way that most people are living now. And I think that people might like that. But it's the reason why most things are the way that they are is because people inherently believe that money and power equal better lives, better life experience, better everything. And it's just not necessarily the case. It's once we get out of that frame of thinking, we can actually focus on evolving as a whole culture and doing what's best for the planet. And you're going to see there, there's groups and parts, parts of uh, communities that have already started doing this just with the way that they live. I mean, it's, it's a small percentage of the world, but they're there as more people are waking up and start to, to adopt that way of life. The earth will improve on its own because our choices will change the way our vibrations will change. You know, this actually brings me to a point where I, I want to recommend a book. It's a, it's a spiritual book. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It's a different kind of book. It's called Levels of Energy by Frederick Dodson. It is one okay. of the most astounding books I've ever read. And a, a brief synopsis of it is the author, Fred Dodson, basically came up with a system for measuring energy, much like we use a ruler to measure length and width. This man came up with a system and a formula for measuring the energy of anything on the planet, whether it's a person, a city, a country, any form of a living being, an object, different books, different movies have different energies. And what he teaches you how to, first of all, he brings you into that world of being able to measure frequency. And then he proceeds to walk you through the system, the different energy levels, why they're different. And myself included, but most people would assume, oh, the higher energy levels are better. You know, the scale goes from zero to a thousand. Closer to zero, like zero to 50 is homelessness, apathy, where you don't even, you can't even get out of bed in the day. And a thousand, as you get closer to a thousand, you assume the energy of the creator, God, whatever you believe. He claims that there's no living being above energy level of 700 or 800 on this planet, because if you went higher than that, you would actually transcend into a date and you would, you wouldn't be able to hold the vibration of this planet. You would actually transcend it. And I find that fascinating, but he explains the importances of being able to spend the time in the lower energy centers, lower energy pockets within yourself and learn why you are there and then spend time in the higher energy pockets and see all that you can do. There's, there's just so much that your instrument can do to expand. But I, I started reading, it's a very long book. I started reading it in 2018. I've read it four times so far and still can't claim to understand everything in it. It's also an audible. So if you don't like to read long books, it's a great listen. I have it on there too. But the reason why I'm mentioning this book is because it, it changed my life. It changed the way that I interact with people. It changed the way I manifest. It changed the way that I carry myself. It changed my entire network because I wanted to change that. It was really just, he even says, I think in the book that very few people will even be at the vibrational level where they'll be able to pick up this book and read it. And I say that just because it's, it's not like reading Shakespeare. It's not challenging in that aspect, but it's, it's a commitment. 
It's a commitment to learn a different language. It's a language that will well serve anyone if they want to learn how to understand themselves, if they're on a spiritual journey, if they want to learn how to be a better communicator or just a better force of nature in this uh, existence. This book sounds a lot like, um, and it sounds like it would be a great companion to uh, Dr. David Hawkins, Power Versus Force, mm. um, which he has a, a similar, I, I had to, I'd have to read this book by Dodson, but Hawkins has a similar, it's almost like Hawkins, Dodson? Hawkins. he talks about that system too. It's, there's, another, yeah. there's another system. It's similar. There's another system. It's yeah. similar. I, I don't know how it compares, but Hawkins is a similar measure of like and all zero to... Like there's different rulers, right? You ascended masters. Rule. Yeah. And what uh, another philosopher, Stuart Wilde, says, there's, there's, it's not good energy and bad energy. It's high and low energy, but it doesn't, we equate low energy with evil and high energy with good. And there is something to that, but it's also that everyone goes through different energy patterns and it's understanding why the energy pattern exists and how to move through the energy pattern. It's not saying this is bad energy. This is good energy. Exactly. And, um, and, and that, yeah, those, some of those books like uh, Power Versus Force, um, uh, there's another one called, uh, reality trans surfing, which is by this guy, Vadim Zeland. And that book mm-hmm. is less, uh, it's, I'll actually bring it up on Amazon. This is one of those books too, that I feel you have to, uh, you have to be, it's like when the, when the pupil is ready, the master will appear, yep. uh, reality trans surfing. It's, it's one very, of those things where, you know, you can, you can even say that even, even if you happen to be listening to or watching this right now, that you somehow attained the frequency where you're able to take yeah, you're in the frequency because you it, it's Absolutely. in your life it found you where it didn't find somebody else so even if you can't read these books now or you can't bring yourself to do it know that you're on the journey already because you're here you're taking in there's people that don't even know that this book exists most won't this right. is so this is a similar book this is a 800 page book it's really a five different volumes but yeah. this is his take on um, and like, there's not that much information on this guy. This is all written originally in Russian. He has no, um, like he has no personal website. He has nothing. You can't contact him. I mean, you can look at this guy's but, picture and you know, look at this guy's picture. you just know he's on some this, shit. This guy um, has been through some, some hurdles. His, his, uh, his, uh, his paragraph, his, his office. Over 50. I'm, I'm over 50. That's his before opening the collapse of the, Yeah, that's, just, that's how you want to open. Uh, before the collapse of the Soviet <laughs> Union, I was engaged in research in the field of quantum physics, then computer technology, and now books. I live in Russia. My nationality is Russian, or more precisely, a quarter Estonian. The rest is irrelevant, all, <laughs> as is all the above. Regarding my own success, I, uh, all I can say is that transurfing works perfectly. I don't, however, want to advertise my personal life as then it would uh, cease to be personal. Fame turns against you if you give in to temptation and climb up on a pedestal for all to see. Among some people, the American Indians, for example, there is a belief that if someone copies your portrait, photographs you, they steal part of your soul. Of course, this is just superstition, but there is no smoke without fire. You can distribute a product of personal creativity, but release your personality but release your personality for masculine circulation, never. To the question of intrigued readers, who are you, Vadim Zelen? I usually just say, nobody. My, my biography cannot be and should not be a matter of interest since I'm not uh, since I'm not the creator of transurfing, only a retranslator. It is essential that we be nothing, an empty vessel, so that we do not impose our personal distortions onto this ancient knowledge that, um, that opens the door to a world where the impossible becomes possible. Reality ceases to exist as something external and independent. 
and becomes manageable if you follow certain rules. The secret itself that is hidden only in as much as it lies on the surface is so great that the personality of its bearer ceases to be relevant. Perhaps the guardians who pass this knowledge to me are of, them, are of genuine interest, but they too prefer to remain in the wings. I mean, this is this guy's not afraid of failure. I can tell you that. No, he's not. Uh, Look at that. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that, that book's getting some traction. You can tell by the, the 800. So oh, yeah, there's a, there's, yeah, almost a thousand, a thousand five-star reviews. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's 100,000 copies for sure. Don't. For sure. And, and, and um, yeah, one of, yeah, Stu Wild again, one of my favorites. Uh, where is, is he? I have him on a bookshelf here. I usually have a, have a Stu, Stu hmm. by me. But yeah, he just said something like, the sage doesn't run down the hill. He's, ha- he's content to walk down as everyone else races through. The mm-hmm. sage is okay with being last. He says, everyone else rushes forward and they're trying, they're climbing and struggling to get first, second, third place. And he says, I'll see you there. I'll walk into the, I'm walking to the line. I'll see, I'll see you when I get there. <laughs> and, because of that, he never leaves his center of power and he never uh, feels the need to use other people's um, benchmarks as his personal comparison. And so it's, it's kind of what Bobby Dude, I love that. <sighs> I could talk to you forever. Um, okay, let's cap it and we'll do another one. Uh, where can we buy snacks from you? I'm going to put it in the links anyway in the, in the, in the description. Um, you can search Elevate Snack Box on Amazon. You can also go to our website, elevatesnackbox.com. You can find us on uh, Instagram if you want to check us out a little bit more, Elevate Snackbox. And uh, yeah, those are our major purchasing options. Uh, I'm going to now get an Elevate Snackbox banner and put on the videos of the podcast and just be eating your snacks beforehand. Can I? I'm actually not, I'm actually not, I'm actually not kidding. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, can I show you one more book? Of course. Okay. I think my screen's unlocked. Let me unlock Give it. Give me one second. I'm just going to grab it. It'll take yep. five seconds. Yep. All right, I am back. Okay, so I, I actually told, I think I briefly touched on this story, but I I want to talk about uh, ayahuasca for a second. Oh, <laughs> this is how you want to end it? Bring it on. Yeah, let's let's end it with Great. the finale. So, Great. I mean, I'm a firm believer in the exploration of everything. You know, yourself, business, spirituality, and any high-quality psychedelics that can help you get there. And my network, I've had a lot of people that have had the ayahuasca experience, yourself included, and I haven't yet. And the interesting thing about that is my, all my friends would always ask me, Hey, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do a ceremony with us? And I said, you know what? It's, it's strange. It's a strange feeling that I have about this. I actually believe that if I'm meant to do something like this, it needs to find me. And I don't know how I'm, I'm I'm just, I'm going to be you know, a spoiled child for a second and say, I'm, this is going to have to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but if I'm meant to do it, it will find me. And that was it. Case closed. A couple of years went by. I was renting my car on Ventura, which I wouldn't recommend anyone do. We can talk about that another time. I recommended. <laughs> um, this, this interesting fellow rented it for a, a weekend. His name was Jake. Picked it up. He had a nice, like, blonde beard. And he was a character. That was about all I knew. And he was like, thanks for the ride. And he drove it away. When he brought it back a couple of days later, he got out of the car, gave me the keys. And I said, how was your trip? And he's like, it was great. Thanks. And his Uber ride was there and he got into his Uber and left pretty quickly. And after somebody rents your car, you go in and you check it out and make sure there's no damage like that. And I noticed a a sombrero and a pair of yellow sunglasses (laughs) in the passenger seat. And I was able to grab them and I ran them to the Uber window and I said, Jake, you forgot a couple things. And he's like, Oh, that old thing? Just hang on to it. 
and he drove away. And so now I have a sombrero and sunglasses, which I've never used. So I just put those aside. I was going through the rest of the car and I found a book on the floor of the back seat, almost lodged under the seat. And it was called The Cosmic Serpent, DNA and the Origins of Knowledge. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is the book that I find in my car. And I said, this is really interesting. So I took the book inside my house and I put it on my bookshelf. Cosmic Serpent. I didn't touch the book for a couple months. One night I was walking by that bookshelf and I looked at that book and I said, let me, let me open it up and see what it's all about. I didn't, I didn't even read the back. So I opened it up to the first page and literally in the first paragraph, it talks about the journey of ayahuasca and what it does for the human mind and soul. In the first paragraph. Literally, yeah, you just open it up and read the first page. That's all I did. And I was like, okay, this is this man's counted tale on his ayahuasca experience. And this was in my car. Like if, if that isn't finding you, I'm not really sure what is. So <laughs> I, I've kept the book. I mean, I still have it. And because of that, I'm going to have an ayahuasca experience, but it's, it's kind of, it's one of those things where like, you really don't know what's going to happen in your life. There's a part of you, you just have to trust and go with it. But the things I'd also add to that, well, insensitivity to the things you think are coincidences normally. Yeah. Observation of the signs already there. It's not that what you're doing is creating something new that wasn't there. It's that you're now opening your perception to the signs that are already appearing. And like being, being open to it. Being open to it. That's what I think at least. Cause I, you know, I wonder like how many of the things that are coincidences are really always happening, but we're just not observant to them. Exactly. Yeah. There has to be yeah. like the veil has to be lifted first and then you can start to see the the formula of what's going on. So it's, it's a fascinating journey. And for anyone who's out there wondering, like, is there more than just this work, family, die type life, which doesn't have to be half bad, by the way, but is there more than no. that? Yes, absolutely. The answer is yes. Well, that's great, man. I, I love talking to you. We'll wrap it until the next one. <laughs> Sounds great. It's been great. I really appreciate you having me on. My friends, I hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode as much as we enjoyed recording it for you. It was a fantastic uh, brain download with my friend uh, Nick Neve, and I hope that you enjoyed everything uh, that we we had to talk about today. Make sure you check out everything uh, that we have in the show notes for you, uh, links to everything that Nick is doing. Uh, make sure that you like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you love listening to it on, and you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com to check out everything we're working on, including Power Packs, which just launched, and including the New Wave Dinner Experience, which is hosted uh, next time in Austin, Texas, July 6th. 16th. Uh, all right. The water is warm and the tide is rising. So jump on in and get ready to surf this new wave. Daniel Did you know that this isn't a podcast you're listening to? Okay, let me be more clear. 
this isn't just a podcast you're listening to. See, by listening to this show, you're actually part of the New Wave community. And because of that, I really want to meet you, IRL, in real life. Wouldn't it be nice to spend some time in a beautiful location, maybe a mansion by the sea with a chef-catered dinner, knowledgeable friends who really want to help you, a cello playing in the background, and, you know, an overall great ambiance. Doesn't that sound gorgeous? Well, we just created that at a recent New Wave dinner in LA, and I want you to be part of the next one. See, these dinner experiences are for entrepreneurs, career climbers, and creatives who want to build friendships with each other in real time, in real life, not just spending time chatting on the internet. We want to actually feel each other's presence, and we spend time together, uh, bringing our business problems, bringing our half-baked ideas, bringing our creative questions. Then over a, a wonderfully catered meal, we work together as a group to help, out, help each other untie these knots and dial in our focus. And afterwards, we go and relax. We take a dip in a pool. I always get a place with a pool or a jacuzzi, have some drinks. We do a little bit of partying. And you will leave this experience with connections and brand new ideas and budding relationships. And you might even find your next co-founder or your next investor sitting right next to you. But more importantly, you are going to leave with a jumping off point, some momentum to go into this next phase of your life, this next chapter, uh, some new ideas that you didn't have before, something that's been enhanced that you know you have confidence in. Now you're going to build that inner momentum. And that's what's so important. And of course, when you're there, I'm also going to bless you with some new wave merch. If you've been looking at my photos, I'm constantly making new merch and new gear just to show the community that, you know, we got something special going here. So make sure you check out the next new wave dinner experience. Now we're doing these all over the country and potentially all over the world. We did our first one in LA. We're going to be doing them in Austin, New York, Miami, and a few other cities. Plus most likely we're going to hit the UK or Europe. So make sure you go to newwaveentrepreneur.com to check out all the dates. We'll have them all listed there. And of course, you can uh, you can sign up. There's going to be about 10 to 12 people per location. So this isn't a massive um, conference. This is a 10 to 12 person event. And that means that it's purposely designed for you to meet people, to engage with them, and to have a whole hell of a lot of fun. So make sure you check out newwaveentrepreneur.com to get all the dates and locations for the next one. I, I believe... Depending on when you're listening to this, the next one is in Austin this summer, and it'll be all over the country. So sign up now.